Hello friends, this is Jake J. Thomas of Jake J. Thomas Photo bringing you another episode of the Dialogic Podcast. It's been a very eventful week for me here in Santa Cruz. I hope that you had a great one wherever you are out there in the interweb world, the wide world of wonderful things happening. Some things not so wonderful, some things tragic. But it's, you know, that's the tapestry of life. That's the fabric of the universe. It's a mixed lot. A sorted bunch. Some saltier than others. Some sweeter. Everyone equally important. I've been thinking a lot about Santa Cruz and what it means to belong to a place how do you how do you think about shaping a place whose right is it to shape a place i've been talking about that some and i'm working on this series of santa cruz landmarks these photographs but i have two well three main modes of photography i do like to do landscape photography a lot because it's it's just you and the world and you're out there looking for something that you don't even know what it is. And it's kind of like when you sit down to do a podcast or you sit down to write, there's just something about that that I really love. What about you? Are you afraid of the open page? Are you excited by the opportunity? How do you approach the task of making something new? To me, that's all it takes to be an artist is just to create. You know, how good it is, that's up to other people. Uh, how it's categorized, how it fits into the larger scheme of things, that's not really up to you. But really, it just has to do with following through on this urge to make something. Urge to do something. And that's what it is. It's being creative. That's what being an artist is to me. And there are some great artists who don't work for long periods of time, but I am one of the kinds that prefers to do something every day. I feel better. I feel more in tune. And I feel like the work just gets better the more consistently you do it. So I've been... Uh, Looking at some tutorials also because the internet is full of brilliant people sharing their ideas. And it's a great way to jumpstart some learning. And it's fun to play with different techniques um, for landscape photography. There are a lot of things you can do beyond just setting up a tripod, putting your camera on finding the right settings, doing a long exposure shot. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. You know, you can do focus stacking. You can merge together different exposures. You can do a long exposure zoom. I did one of those the other night that worked out really well because I was... Uh, 
out looking at different storefronts at night. And this comes back to the Santa Cruz landmark series. As a Santa Cruz photographer, I feel like documenting these things is important, but I don't want to just document them. I want to be creative and make what I consider to be artful photographs of some of the places I love, some of the places I use. And I feel like that's one of the places where you really see the character of Santa Cruz. You know, the businesses, the small businesses, not the corporate ones that just kind of try to colonize us, but the ones that are, you know, mom and popish, a little bit more. And, and yet there are those corporate entities too. And somehow we make them ours. We make them our own. But I started out photographing You Save Liquors on the west side, which is a funky old spot. And this is part of how a place gets its character because when a business builds its, its sign, its storefront, its lights, its color design, its murals, everything that goes into the outward appearance of a business a lot of times remains the same for a long period of time. So you have this sense of history, this datedness, this look of the past that persists in the present through the storefronts of businesses. And You Save Liquor is a great example because it looks like it's something maybe out of the 70s. And it's funky, old, cool lights and nothing contemporary nothing modern about it but i like it and so i was photographing it and then i had parked over in the safeway parking lot and i noticed that the safeway sign had the a and the y out and i thought that it's kind of funny when brands fail too and this safeway is i think probably not very well tended to by the corporate headquarters because it's got some problems. But it's a great store. You get good deals there. You know, I go there all the time with my daughter and get toilet paper, paper towels. I buy coffee there, Pete's coffee there sometimes. Uh, I'll get a, a six-pack of Sierra Nevada there. And that's pretty much it, toothpaste. I prefer, you know, to go to New Leaf to get some you know, better quality meat, better quality vegetables. And that's really all I'm trying to get. Meat, vegetables, toilet paper, paper towels, barbecue sauce, maybe six pack of beer. I like to keep it simple. And uh, but here I am in front of this Safeway with the S.A.F.E.W. lit up and the Safeway symbol which kind of looks like a superman s so i do a long exposure zoom so i set it up for i think about four seconds and i let it run for about two and then i zoom in and let it run for the other two and then next shot i'm doing a sequence of shots with a timer so that the Timer goes, and then it takes five shots in a row. So I zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. And what it does is it records sharply 
the first focus point or the first zoom point and then the second one. And so the Safeway sign is bigger and smaller in the same frame with a trail of light between the two. And so it looks like, you know, kind of like the bat signal being projected out with the Safeway Super S, but the sign is missing two letters. So there's something, you know, magnificent about it and something shabby at the same time. And I feel like that kind of characterizes Santa Cruz. That kind of characterizes American culture in general. You know, I think that we have this obsession with superheroes because that's where our myths are, you know, and, and corporations too. It's the marketing of businesses really creates the character of our culture. Um, but so back to the idea of the three types of photography that I do, that one is the landscape, cityscape, seascape are all just me, my camera, the world, and the search for an image that satisfies me, that scratches that itch, that quells that urge. Uh, the second type of photograph I like to do is one that makes me money, which is product shots, commercial photography, lifestyle photography. And in doing that type of work, you have to consider your audience in a different way than you consider the other, the other forms of photography that I like to do. When I do the landscape, the fine art photography, it's really just me that I'm concerned with. And I hope that other people will like it too, but I'm really just trying to stretch my own photographic legs and try something new and get out there and make something I think is cool. But when I do commercial work, you know, there's a different set of audiences to consider. So if you want to do some commercial work, you might want to think about these factors. Who is your audience when you do commercial photography? First of all, you have the client. Now, they are paying you, so they have, you know, a primary position in your consideration. You want to make shots that they find to be flattering to their product, to their service, to their business. But they aren't the final customer. They're your client, but you're making the images for them to show to their customers. So you have to think about what their customers want to see as well. And that's where it can get tricky because sometimes your client might not think about what their customers want to see. They think about what they want to see. And what they want to see is good-looking images of their product because they think that's what's going to help to make it sell. And so this is where that balancing act, that negotiation comes into play where you have to decide how much you're going to try to coach your client to see that what is in their best interest is creating images, creating content that their customers want to see. And if it comes off too heavy handed as commercial shots that are just product based, sometimes that will work, but sometimes that will turn off their customers. What their customers really want to see is something fun, something new, something, something, 
interesting, something cool. So as a photographer, as a content creator, that's your job is to navigate those waters and negotiate between those audiences, your clients set of needs and what their customers really want. And that can be tricky, but doing that successfully is what will make you succeed in your business efforts. You know, and ultimately, the client is the one paying you. So even if you have to do something that you don't feel like their customers are going to like, sometimes you have to go ahead and just do that because they're the ones paying for it. And sometimes they'll want to hear your input and sometimes they already have a clear vision in mind and they just want you to execute it. And that's going to determine which clients you work best with and which ones you want to work with. So these are all some things to think about in this second category of photography, commercial photography. Now, the third form of photography that I love to practice is portraiture. And working with people is always very interesting and charged and, you know, difficult and fun. And there's a lot of different ways to think about working with people and different approaches and different goals. <clears throat> you know, you see a lot of portrait photographers who are trying to flatter their subjects. And I understand that. And I think there's some good reason to do that. And that's always been around. I picked up this book on Matthew Brady, who was a photographer of the Civil War in the United States. And he started photographing pretty much the year that photographs were invented in 1839 In 1840, he started working with a studio making daguerreotypes. And those were the first photographs that actually lasted and that exist to this day. But he did some great portraiture. And in doing so, he had this technique, which is very much like Photoshopping today, where he would do a good daguerreotype of his subject, which, you know, they were long exposures, so you had to get the subject to sit still for a long period of time. And then he had a team of artists who would go in and paint the photograph, you know, to darken areas that needed to be darkened, to smooth out wrinkles, to make the portrait more flattering. And then he would photograph that so that he could make multiple prints of that image. So photo retouching has been around since the beginning of photography, and there's good reason for it. You can create more dramatic artistic effect. You can please your clients. You can leave them with a favorable image to share with the world. So it's not Photoshop that has created this tendency to manipulate the image in a way that makes it more favorable to the subject. That's been there forever. You know, that was obviously there before with painting, but it was there at the very beginning of photography too. Uh, but I think there are more concerns in working with people than just to make something flattering but that is a, a primary concern. If somebody's paying you to photograph them, you don't want to create an unflattering image of them. 
But there are other reasons to do portraiture. Sometimes what you're trying to do is to capture something true about a person. You know, maybe it's a historical figure. Maybe it's a, a person who isn't paying you, but you're more concerned with who they are, their personality, who they are in the context of this moment in time. And how you approach that might be different. But working with people is always full of these considerations. And I like to practice all three types of photography, if not on a daily basis, multiple times each week. So you can go to my Instagram page and check out that super Safeway time-lapse zoom or I'm sorry, long exposure zoom. And I got a question for you guys. You know, I've been looking at different ways to do Instagram. And at a certain point, maybe a year ago, I created a second account for portraiture. And I have a third account for more art-based photography because Instagram seems to like niches and people are following you for one specific thing and they don't want to see everything. And there's a cohesion, a consistency to your feed that seems to help in getting followers. And while on the one hand, I don't really feel like letting Instagram have that much control over your creative process is a good idea. On the other hand, if you're trying to use it to promote your work, you might as well do it in the most effective way. And just dividing it up isn't that much of a change, you know, and in some ways, maybe it will help you to actually see your series more coherently. But so I'm after a while, though, I had so many clients, and my accounts were so numerous that I didn't have time. And I just decided just to go with one account for myself. But I have noticed that it gets an uneven reception, a different number of likes, a different amount of engagement. So I'm thinking about going back to the different accounts and I'd love to know what you all think. Do you think it's better to just have one account that has your landscape photography, your portraiture, your art photography, your commercial photography, all of that together? Or do you think it's better to divide them up? Love to know what you think. Thanks for giving this podcast a listen. And I am going to continue my investigation of Santa Cruz. What does it mean to be a Santa Cruzan? What does it mean to be a person from where you live? I'd love to hear about your town, your city, your neighborhood, your borough, your state, wherever it is that you feel like you belong to. I'd want to hear something about that. So hit me up on Instagram. Leave me a comment. Send me a direct message. I will get back to you. And for now, this is Jake J. Thomas of Jake J. Thomas Photo signing out with another Dialogic Podcast. Peace.